afternoon, evening, good day, folks. I am here today as your host, Mary, with Plain Rainbows Season 3. And unfortunately, I am unable to be joined by James today. However, I am joined by our lovely guest, Billy, who um, came from a, a Holdeman Mennonite community. And with that being said, I'd like to ask Billy to introduce themselves. Yeah. Well, like Mary said, I'm Billy. And uh, I. a lot of the reason why I'm here is because while I was still with the Holdeman Church, uh, I was able to view content that Mary and James put out and some other, um, you know, people who, who had either podcasts or social media groups that were willing to engage with people either from plain groups or in plain groups. Um, so there's a whole variety of Mennonites and other plain Anabaptists and some who aren't plain who still, despite what they know, have a lot of the same scars and issues, societal problems. Um, but um, like for me, I had a lot of opportunities not to go into the Holdeman Church. Um, I had options that I could have avoided going in, but I was sold. I believed everything just like a lot of others do. And, um, and so because I believed so deeply, but also realized how conflicted I was about, about things in some ways, you know, it, it created a lot of internal conflicts. Um, and so that's kind of how I, I ended up making my way out. And it's been rather transformative um, for me, but also others. There's a lot of other people who've come out from the church and a lot of it has been because of brave people who are willing to be honest and and speak truth to the powers that be and there's a lot of things even now those same powers despite having pretty well no control over me I still you know I still have a lot of concern about or just how what will they think how will they hear this if they do hear it and um, what kind of retaliation will happen? Because that's a big part of it, as as Mary is well aware. Yes, I'm well aware. I do have a question for you, and you may not answer this question if you don't want to, but you mentioned like having conflict, internal conflict. Can you expand on that or tell me more about the internal conflict that you experienced? Well, for me, a lot of it came down to Seeing how I made an other out of different people, whether it was family of mine that either were out of the church or never came to it, uh, or you know different things like that. So they're they're not the only Anabaptist group that has the doctrine of the one true church, but they're probably one of the most well known because of their size and how many offend offenses they've caused by their behavior, and also. Hold the, the Holdeman Church, Church of God in Christ Mennonite, came off of the mainline Mennonite Church in the late 1800s. And so there's still a lot of those, those connections to, to that church familially. And their two groups are pretty well ignore each other unless they're getting money from each other. And I can bring up some more of that later. But for me, it was believing the doctrines and believing what we were doing was right because it was you know, it's life or death, it's, it's a soul on the line for every one of us, and eternity is, is, you know, the utmost importance, and so that meant 
even though what I'm doing feels wrong because the Lord created us with that feeling of eh, what I'm doing is kind of shitty. I still felt like I didn't have the choice to, to listen to that because I belong to the, I belong to the Lord and that means I obey the church. And so those, those two things, um, the conflict there, also the way we dealt with women, children, abuse, LGBTQ people, all of those things. Um, you know, I, I believed it, but I also felt kind of nasty for how, how I saw the results of our behavior towards those different groups and, and how it was creating harm. And now that we're talking in this meeting, my camera is just like sliding down, even though it didn't do that until we got recorded. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, it went, it went all the way. It's like slowly going down. We'll see it's what happens. Like, Billy, do you feel like you're having, you're, you're falling down a slippery slope? I don't know. Like, if people were to call me, maybe I'm a backslider. Like, I know all the right ways to be, and still, I'm just slipping down the hill. And, and the, you know, I, I guess yeah. I didn't wear the right gear. You know, I didn't have, um, oh, there was a song we used to sing that had to deal with um, not, you have to overcome these different temptations and obstacles. You're not being a good enough prayer soldier. Um, so if I would do that, then I just wouldn't be so tempted to, to slide or I don't know these things. Okay, but how did that make you feel about yourself at being part of the queer community and being believing that you were wrong for existing? Yeah. Well, for me, because of what I was taught, I was just like, well, this is a, this is a problem and I, I just need to do the right things. And, you know, the Lord isn't concerned with how I feel. The Lord's concerned with how I obey. And so that's what I said. Well, that's, I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. And so, um, you know, if, if I'm not going to get married or if I'm supposed to marry one of these sisters by your side, then that's what I'll do. But I, I never did that. But I do know people who did. Kind of like forced marriage? Yeah. So... What often I have seen, not not always is, it depends on the situation. Not not always do people realize if one or the other is LGBTQ. Sometimes they know and that's why they're placed together. There was one couple that I knew, they were about my age. They were both from different congregations, but I learned about the situation because I was friends with one of them because we had a youth rally, which is where you like have a hundred youth from all these congregations swarmed at one town and you know, it's like a weekend of group dating. But uh Wait, what? You've never heard of this? No. Uh -huh. oh we so we so the Holdeman Church has two things. They have youth rallies, which is younger people who youth is anyone between like ages fifteen, sixteen and thirty. Uh, and so we have those which is basically you spend three days at a congregation, eating all meals together. You stay in uh, the congregation people's homes, and yeah. Okay, but pause. Youth is anything from 16 to 30? Pretty well. I mean, the goal is that most people will be married by 20, but there's some of us that just it never happened for us. And we became old news and we went to go work in healthcare facilities as nurses and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So you're, you're married off young. 
And if they happen to know that you might be part of the queer community or you might be gay, then like they use marriage as a tool to prevent that. Am I hearing that right? Yes. So there have, so there was, what I was getting back around to was this, this guy that I had met through a youth rally. I think it was actually hosted at, at our, where I, at the congregation I was at. Um, But like he, like there were some of us that knew and the church, like his, his church staff, the ministers at his congregation knew about it. And he and, and a lesbian woman were then pretty well just kind of put together to be married. And it was, it was something where not everybody knew about what was happening, but a lot of people did, but of course nobody's going to say anything. And so it just happened. And I remember going to this wedding and just, like it was just so surreal because there were so many people there who like most plain Anabaptist uh, occasions like weddings, they're not decorative or exciting, but as exciting as any other wedding, that's the way it was. And, um, and it was the same exact sermon and everything everyone else would go. And now, I mean, they're still married and in the church, but it's just interesting to me how, one that 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 this happens but that people are willing to submit to it for the sake of not being disciplined by the church and you know that's that's one thing that like knowing that and knowing some other situations of abuse and i would consider that a form of abuse um i think pretty well i can say within the within church of god in christ mennonite every member of that church and many of their children who who may or may not become members, even the ministers, they're all victims of a certain kind of spiritual abuse because the systems of the church are abusive. The systems a lot of of a lot of Anabaptist churches are. So and so that that that's kind of how that you know those things tie together. So here's a question for you: Is when you talk about the systems of oppression earlier, like you mentioned, speaking truth to power. So what comes up for you when you think about like speaking truth to power? Like first, what does that mean to you? Mm -hmm. Well, anytime you speak up against what is the accepted answer. So for insular groups, such as the Holdeman Church, there is such an emphasis on unity as the one true church. Every person in every congregation needs to make sure they're united with their brethren on every matter from, from dress to policy to behavior to, you know, everything. About the only thing that's not restricted is diet, and even then you'll still get ridiculed if you're not thin. So all of those things are there, but it's this overarching threat of everyone is spying on everybody, to make sure that we're adorning the doctrine of the church. And if we're not, then you may be considered in question. You may be put into church work and discipline up to excommunication. And if you're expelled from the church, then the avoidance is held against you, um, which is, oh. is the Holdeman term for shunning. They wouldn't say that we shun people because this is a redemptive thing, not okay. a throwaway. So Explain to me what the Holdeman definition of avoidance is. Yeah. The avoidance. Yeah. Some of the some of the markers of the avoidance would be uh, you don't eat meals with the expelled. If you do eat a meal with an expelled person, 
You know, you have to have some form of separation so they know they're separate. Um, and sometimes that may mean, well, since we don't want to share a table, we'll have a buffet line meal or something like that. It's much less overt regarding certain of those measures, but it's taken more of a turn of social ridicule, ostracization. Um, so if you're ostracized, that would mean people will, you know, the, you're not supposed to have any conversation with those expelled people that's not trying to drive them back towards the church. Um, because otherwise, you're going to be deceived by them, you know, so that's the, the thought behind that. Um, and not only that, but in the digital age, it's taken on different means. So, um, and somebody doesn't necessarily even have to become a member to experience the same behavior. Um, so, and then of course, a lot of the things that are scriptural, such as um, holding offices in the church and, and, and participation in congregational life and some of those things, um, voting, those things go away. And those things are much more understandable, but the social, the social behavior that happens to those who are expelled and the retaliation against them is what is so severe. Um, I've seen everything from um, firing employees who are expelled or planning situations to happen later. Um, there's also, um, I'm trying to think of another, another clear one. There's, um, there was a situation I know there was a, well, I know of more than one where a man is expelled who has a husband and has children, and they come and take the wife and children out of the home if he doesn't get back in the church soon enough. And one of the things that often will cause stumbling for people who really are sincere is to be reaccepted. You have to accept through your testimony that you were rightfully expelled. There's no option to say that the church was wrong in excommunicating anybody. And so an honest person, you know, may struggle with that question. But so that, um, this thing is just going down. I don't know why this is going, <laughs> going never down, down, before. baby. Yo Street yeah. and maybe, oh, oh, I'm showing my age. <laughs> so, um, so there, there's situations like that. And when it comes down to it, and I've had somebody ask me this question, well, she's a free agent. It's a free country. We live in the United States. She could have chosen not to do that. So she, you know, she just, no, because you have a gun held to her head. You say to that person, you know, if you disobey the church and you're not willing to love your husband enough to obey us and leave him alone, then, then you have a spiritual problem and you may too be excommunicated. And I've seen that happen. And so really you don't have a choice or, or some other choices like, well, nobody, nobody is forced to join this church is what somebody told me through a message and it's like well if you have no connections outside of this very insular group because you're not supposed to talk to worldly people and be a friend of the world if you only have an eighth grade education given to you by people who have an eighth grade education within a church school um, if you are a woman and you have no outside skills other than homemaking why wouldn't you join the church sincere or not because if you go out in the world, oftentimes what happens is those people don't have the skills to survive and be successful, and then the church gets them back through that method, or they're seen as an example of what happens to those people who turn away from the faith. And so that, that deception goes both ways, and it's used as a mirror. 
And I think the majority of people in the church, even the ones who are holding the status quo and causing this harm, they really believe what they're doing is right. Um, but I definitely know through my experiences and talking with certain ones, they do know better and they take advantage of, of the systems. Yeah, so that's all like, just just seems awful, really. Mm. It really does. But I have to also wonder, like, so if somebody were to dare to go against the status quo, per se, and challenge the church rule that they see as unjust, or the church ruling, like what were to happen? There, there's different levels of things that happen. Um, and it depends on whether it's one person, a family, a group, or like a larger congregational problem. The church at large will even consider certain congregations a trouble congregation. And they will, you know, the process with which they're allowed to even go to communion, um, communion isn't something people go in choosing to do and it's a, a ritual. It's something that they have to earn in a certain way. And some congregations aren't permitted to go to communion or certain people within that congregation are withheld from, from that, from participation. Um, and it, the discipline can be as simple as getting a letter or writing from the staff. It could be getting sat down for a meeting, getting called in for something. Uh, sometimes it's either somebody within the church. There's a lot of self-policing that happens where, you know, somebody else within the church sees something you're doing or saying or whatever, and they go to you and tell you, you know, that. Like one thing that it's not so common anymore, but you used to hear more some years ago was, are you being the voice of the church right now through oh. what you're saying? Or, you know, what kind of witness does that make? by the way you're dressing or behaving, especially for us. We, I worked in a church-run healthcare facility, and especially during COVID, a big part of my job was somewhat going around, and a lot of it was just people wearing masks properly and obeying other guidelines. But there's also other things, and there's also a lot of concern about all of the worldly people who come and work in the church facility. How are the church members who work with them acting? Oh. So you're supposed to be a witness at all times, but like, do all of those rules make sense? Like, I mean, mm -hmm. we had a little conversation about like buttoning your shirts. <laughs> yeah. So there are certain things which, and you see this in different playing groups to different extents and in different ways, but especially young youngsters, they want to find any way they can to stand out. And what what and it changes over time, of course. But one thing that's long been a thing, and when I was youngster, and I think some of the youth kids now still do this. In church, we have to have a long a long sleeve shirt, and it has to you know you of course have like it's not even something people would talk about because you just button the sleeves. That's just how you wear those shirts. If you're not buttoning the sleeve, you're rolling it up, which you can't do because you have to have a long sleeve. Well, people will just come to church and they just won't button the sleeves. You know, that's just that little bit of rebellion. And it's just like, what? And, you know, you hear about that. Or the church will have a worldwide general conference, including members from all over the planet. And the things they're concerned about are people questioning the authority of their church, uh, head coverings getting too small, men wearing feminine socks. 
which might be my <laughs> colors or prints. Um, and I have the, the minutes, like those are the words that that ministry used when he was talking about that. And just to think that there are all kinds Billy, of things happening. Billy, what's a feminine sock? I'm sorry. Please define that for well, me if you can. <laughs> I thought as long as there weren't lacing around the top that it was okay. But that, that's the kind of things that they're concerned about. And so there's all of these things. And, and more and more and more, the last few years when I was still still attending and staying with the church, you would, you would hear, you, we didn't hear so much about that. And we heard, you know, the people of yesterday weren't, we're a little more legalistic than we are today. You know, we're kind of more concerned about the spiritual side of things. But then general conference comes around and this is a dominant message with one voice. And of course, everyone votes by holding up their, their bulletin. And, and of course, because everyone's sitting in a circular room and they're watching each other, they all agree, they all are united. And I have some friends who, like even phone calls with me are in tears just so overjoyed that God's church is so united that, that we aren't divided about things when it's like, well, obviously there's an underlying division when you have so many people. I think um, I was looking at some data and in the last, with the last annual yearbook that comes out, there was actually more people who left the church or died than there were people baptized, which is, which is not the usual trend. Um, they really have been one of the fastest growing playing groups. Quiet. I've got my dog with me, and he's excited. Oh, Henry's got some words to say about that. Henry does have strong opinions. I think yeah. one of our student workers came in, and he sees he sees one of his friends. Yeah, Henry just wants to. Yeah, he wants yeah. to say hi. But no, that's interesting that they're having less baptized members. Yeah, it's still a lot, and they actually, especially in Canada, have many people joining from outside the church. Um, but that's a whole other discussion in itself, and what kind of people they are who are joining uh, is very interesting. Yeah, there's some a... people that that looking on, you'd be you'd wonder what is it that draws them to this kind of church. And I have learned that it's not necessarily their spiritual or that it's the doctrines. There's other things sometimes. That is very possible. That's also interesting. I did have another question because earlier you had mentioned like speaking truth to power. Did we mm -hmm. talk about like, how does that feel? Like, do you have like fear in speaking or how do you feel about yeah. speaking about truth to power like today? Yeah. Well, in day-to-day -day life, I'm pretty bold, and I have always kind of been that way. I think a lot of it, my grandmother was an extreme rule follower, and that meant that we were too, but yet that also meant speaking up even when it might get you into trouble, and I've always kind of had that problem. I think it's a good problem because now I see that I can use, use the responses I get as a very clear indicator of where people stand and whether they're true or not, but for... but. But as far as coming out and speaking, so speaking within the context of the church and to the church and to people within the church, I don't have a lot of fear about, especially now, what are they going to do to me? I'll tell you in a minute about some of what happened. But the thing that will really make a Holdeman mad and make the Holdeman church mad is when you go like this and show the outside that they're not as great and wonderful as they, 
that they have branded themselves to be. Um, a lot of the outside world who hasn't met the Holdemans and learned what's happening or who hasn't been persuaded by them doesn't know that being a hard worker just is to keep you busy and out of trouble. Being a great baker is one of the skills you have because that's all you have to learn. Um, there are so many things that people look on and just go, oh, you know, the Mennonites, uh, you are so accepting when things happen. You're so resigned. Your children are so well behaved. Well, when you beat your children, they tend not to put up a fight because you're bigger than them. And so those, those systems that go on, when you reveal that to the outside, that's where the retaliation comes. I made one comment on a Facebook post, one small comment and it was perfectly factual based on data that Mary here helped work to, to gather with Anabaptist people, not on them. There are plenty of people who think that they have data on Anabaptist people and they're deceived because of their ignorance. Uh, and that's a very dangerous place to be. But the swarm of calls and messages that I got from Holdenman people after seeing that, and by the way, this is a group of people who aren't allowed on Facebook. And my comment was to the city of Tupelo, Chamber of Commerce, where the public could see that, you know, consider who these people really are who are swarming to your town in over 10,000 of them for one week. And consider what they're really doing, what they're meeting about. They're going to this arena, filling an arena to have a somewhat secretive meeting where the agenda isn't even fully released. And look at what that group is doing. And I simply stated, you know, this is a high control group who is abusing people within its circles. Here's some of the data. I had hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of calls and messages for weeks. Even now, I still get what I call holdy spams, where I will get 100 calls all at once from these Kansas numbers, because that's where I'm from. And, and it's just amazing to me that I didn't do anything except just simply state what, what's happening. And to me, it's, it's not like this is a surprise to them. Um, and it's especially considering I spoke up about these things, you know, in private meetings with people who are in the church and said, you know, these kind of things are problems. We need to deal with them. When people are killing themselves because they can't handle the abuse they've experienced, perhaps we need to consider what we're doing. And the church in the last few years made some very good strides through some very brave people to provide mental health resources and abuse prevention effort. And the church called in their cronies, calling church staff from all over the region together to Lone Tree Congregation in Kansas, and specifically spent, I think it was two days of meetings, talking about how they're going to thwart that because, as it says, in the, in the leaked minutes, it wasn't so much leaked as I saw it because I have a, a friend who's in the staff. But the minutes specifically quote one of those men who, who was speaking in the general session as saying, if we allow people to access secular counselors, they can't say therapy, secular counselors without going through us and allowing us to have a window into that or control over that service, then we lose our ability to discipline them. They have a fundamental confusion of the difference between a spiritual problem and mental health. And somebody doesn't need to have a mental health problem or illness to seek therapy. But it's that fundamental lack of understanding that 
and that realization that the abusive systems of the church will become apparent to those who receive some sort of professional help, that it will go. For me, I was lucky enough to sneak off to college and do that, and it took me years after graduating. It's, I graduated some time ago, and it took me years for those things to kick in. And I even went to a Mennonite college. I went to two of them, and I work for one now. And it's amazing how those things took so long to circle around. And to me, what gives me the ultimate rage is that we have people within the assimilated Mennonite circles who know a good portion of this and what's happening, and they profit off of trying to put out content for these groups while also kowtowing to their, to their controlling systems and perpetuating the very abuse we have and only making it more difficult for people to receive help. And sometimes those interventions come too late. And so, you know, speaking truth to power means being willing to be brave enough to come here and say what doesn't feel good because it might reach somebody in the church who sees the deception and the control happening or it might just make people mad. And that's okay, because people who are mad at least are feeling emotions, and maybe they'll take a minute to take a deep breath and think about the kind of harm they're perpetuating. Because whether we mean well in our behavior or not is one thing, but when it's harming others, and then we know it, we need to change. And if we're not willing to do that, we're more sinister yet. And we have many people who are on notice. Uh, and you know, they're willing to continue in their behavior. They continue publishing things that perpetuate these kind of harms, that perpetuate the narrative that these high control groups of Anabaptists are safe spaces. And a lot of it I realize is because those very people from the assimilated circles have bought into the narrative and they have a romantic relationship with it. And especially for assimilated Mennonites who are educated, they have a way of getting off on hearing all of these dark things and feeling as though they've done something. And they only further oppress people with that. And to me, it's worth speaking about that and not only being part of seeing and witnessing those things. Um, and there's many things even just this last week that I saw that, yes, it's good that somebody was given a, a platform to speak. But now we need to amplify their voice. Uh, for me, I have no business speaking about people from the Jehovah's Witnesses or people from the Latter-day Saints Church because I don't know what's happening in there. A lot of the cult tactics are the same, yes, but their culture and their experiences, when I go and try to pretend I'm an expert, I cause harm. And, you know, that, that is something that I'm concerned about. And so for me, that's why it's important to share my experience, share what's happening in my context but also talk about how people can have a relations point to that who may have similar experience elsewhere and give them an opportunity to raise their voice because it's not my job to speak for them. It's my job to amplify their voice um, right. because otherwise I'm making it about me and I'm profiting off of their suffering. We see that all around. And just last week, another book was published by a very prominent group of Anabaptist people detailing things by people who are known abusers. And so, you know, this is a broader issue. It's not just the Holdemans. There are plenty of other plain groups of Anabaptists out there. But what I want people in those groups to know, whether they belong to the LGBTQ community or they're just women who have been oppressed by the sexist systems and patriarchal control, or, 
you know, it, it could be simply just realizing it's okay that I don't believe the same way, or maybe I don't feel like being a Christian anymore. Um, people are allowed to exist and not be witch hunted if they decide they don't believe. For me, if you belong to the same church I do, yeah, I'm going to hold you accountable because that's your covenant. But if you change your mind and you decide to leave, you know, my job is to encourage you and and that's there. But to ridicule you and mistreat you, I've already proven that I'm not in the church truly any anyway. And that's what it comes down to. People are more concerned about the group and its identity than than living the faith. And the example Jesus gives us, it, it's you wouldn't recognize that Jesus compared to these people, and that's that's too bad. But I you know I look forward to those conversations I have with people. I stumble upon them every day who have the faith, and you can smell Jesus on them, and that is what we hear and see. And, you know, that's important. I know those people. And a lot of them wouldn't necessarily even know what, what they're holding with them. But I'm thankful for, for, for those encounters and experiences. Mm-hmm. And so that, thank you for that. I feel like that was really, really powerful. And, and it's a powerful example of speaking truth of power. I, I guess the other question is, is did you have butterflies in your stomach? Did you feel terrified? How did you feel about that? Did you feel, do you feel empowered? Like, how do you feel, Billy? Like right now? Yeah. Well, I, the reason I came for it, despite having fears that, oh no, somebody's going to harass me because it happened before. And all I made was a Facebook comment. One other time I simply just stated the experience that I had where I work and I had people coming after me as though I did something wrong. And it's, it's this realization that no matter what happens, they could kill me tomorrow and string me up, but it won't change the fact that somebody else now is going to hear me speak that truth and it may make a difference for them. And especially when I see a lot of the young people within these groups and how they're willing to step out and speak and the change it makes. I never would have envisioned how many people have left the Hold'em in church who aren't just crazy people going off and doing drugs and getting into trouble with people in town or, you know, these weird things you hear, obscure things. <clears throat> Those are the kind of people who are getting expelled from the church, but you discover, well, there's something else going on here that the church isn't willing to listen to. And so to me, you know, it, it's worth it. I, I realize that it's because of the trauma I've experienced in my life that I have those fears and feelings about a group of people that really can't do anything other than sp- send WhatsApp messages around and spam call me. Go ahead. That's fine. I can mute my phone. And if you really want to talk to me, send me a message. There have been plenty of people still in the church who have been willing to, instead of harass me or send me threatening messages or letters, they just talk and they engage and surprise. We, we grow and understand. It's, yeah. it's, it's so simple. A fool shall not err therein. That's what we read of the gospel. And it's just the same. This is an extension of the gospel. When we, when we take the scriptures and we start smearing everything up, that's when things get nasty. But listening to one another is a big part of the example we see of Jesus. And it's what's going to bring us closer. And, you know, I, always leave the way open, even for some people who have really intended to maim or kill me. Those people, I still leave the conversation open. 
Um, I may not always be ready in that moment, but mm -hmm. I'm willing to talk. And what I found is a lot of those people, when they find that they don't really have anything to stand on, they won't talk anymore. They just send things. And that's too bad. I'm sorry that they have stooped there, but you know, that's on them. And we know that, you know, one song that we, we used to sing kind of to have people on notice about judgment, you know, God's watching with an all seeing eye. And I think, you know, that, that, that's relevant here. A lot of these people who are committing these harms, they probably need to hear that. Uh, it's not so much the, the people who are hearing it that, that need it. It's the people who are trying to wield that power. Um, you know, so, I mean, that's about as much as I could say. Um, and, you know, I look forward to, you know, the potential engagements that I may have from, from this conversation. But, um, you know, I, I also know that I'm looking at all kinds of nasty things and that's fine with me. <laughs> Um, you know, that's just part of the deal. And I mean, you know, it says a lot about what kind of people these, these nonviolent pacifists, non-resistant Anabaptists are when this is how they behave I, when, you, when you uncover those things. I just want to bring up like one example and then we're going to wrap things up um, really quickly. My one example is this is like, I've always found great solace and like the example of Jesus driving the money changers from the temple. And the fact that like Jesus was so unlike, like I, I find it really interesting how we're supposed to be like Jesus, but these are also examples of Jesus's behavior and he had righteous anger. So, but, but, but Mary, I have to stop you there because, you know, Jesus <laughs> wants us to be, wants us to be meek and humble and live with shamefacedness and sobriety always. Okay. You know, but he we, showed us this example, Billy. But, but I don't, I don't know that things were really that severe. You know, we weren't there. You know, I, I, to me, can you tell I'm being sarcastic? That's I mean, the but he took that a whip. We grew up hearing though. That's he the took thing. a whip. So, so you're saying that I can't, I can't be a martyr who stands against injustice, even willing to suffer death, but somehow me speaking out against that at a different time in my life somehow like cancels that. I mean, to me that like theologically, that's my concern is, Jesus is like this flat character to a lot of plain Anabaptists. Jesus was causing all kinds of trouble. And I have learned the more I speak up and get people mad at me, the closer to Jesus I feel. I am so tired of this whole narrative, even like speaking to the church. Like I remember when I was, you know, I wasn't really that big into trouble, but like people within the church and the church staff were just, you know, troubled with me because I, you know, I was being critical of the church and, Eventually, you know, then that meant I denied the doctrine of the one true church and all these other, you know, yeah. doctrinal concerns and charges. But I heard that again and again from all kinds of church members. Well, Billy, you know, you're not being very meek and humble. And sometimes it would come down to simply, well, if you if you won't just submit and agree, then they're not going to let you in that way. Or, you know, you're, you know, they're not going to accept you. The church staff isn't going to hear you if you don't come at them as a child. And I even, I have, still have a message from somebody who's a relative of mine, and he, he later on said he was sorry for this, but he comes up to me at work one day and just says, you know what your problem is? You don't come as a child. And he just kind of chuckled and walked away, and I said, you know, thank you for telling me that. And later on, you know, he didn't apologize for saying that, but the way he said it, I guess, he felt bad. And I, 
I feel like that's fine, but to me, finding random scriptures to write onto people and, you know, a lot of these things, they're just part of the control tactic. You know, if, if me speaking something that is factual causes me to be disciplined, there's some other spirit at work here. This is not the work of the church. It's not the work of the Lord. It's not scriptural. And just because the church is the body of Christ does not give the church authority to decide how they behave by what seems good to them. Um, there's certain scriptures that are used to take that out of context, or, um, you know, we hear the church holds the key, but the church has a gun to its head. And of course, everyone in the council of the church who are all held under this same power structure are going to be united against you if you speak against the system. And that's what happens sociologically. Uh, and there's different examples of how those things play out in different contexts. But reading about those things and realizing are what gave me a chance to question those things. And it got me in a lot of trouble. And eventually, you know, people were upset with me and I decided it's not worth trying to explain to them how they're wrong because they're not here with ears to hear, and that's fine. If they want to come to me later with that, that's fine. But in the end, it meant I just had to leave. And I did. I had an opportunity to show up out of nowhere, and I just figure it's the Lord's timing. I accepted, and I moved. And, and you know, that was that. I'm and, so, so grateful that you accepted that opportunity. I really am. Mm -hmm. So with that yeah. being said, um, thank you for that, by the way. It means yeah. a lot to me to hear that from you. Um, but with that being said, do you have like a message that you would give to anybody who may be experiencing some of the things that we've talked about here today? Yeah. I would say if you feel bold, be willing to talk, but be willing to accept the consequences of that until you leave. And if you're not willing to talk, it's okay to leave. People don't deserve your effort and experience and voice if you know they're not going to listen, you know, for me, I, I can't shut up. But for some people, if you are more, more meek by nature, and that's the, Lord, the Lord's way for making you, that's fine. Um, and if, you know, there's some, I know the majority of people, they will never leave. And if that means letting your head covering, tie down, ends hang out, and not buttoning your sleeves, do it. If that's what you need to feel better, that's fine. You know, I just figure, you know, whatever people need to do is to live with themselves. But for me, that's not enough. Um, as somebody who is a rule follower, I was like, I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to keep talking until people either boot me or listen. And that's how I am. And here I am. I'm grateful I accepted the opportunity to come here. And now I get to raise hell for Mennonite Church USA, and I love it. But I also get to meet a lot of young people who seek the truth and get to encourage them and empower them because... I realize they're the only people who are going to get us old white people out of here. You know, being white isn't the problem, but it's those people, rich white people, who cause all of these problems because they're not willing to give up. You know, those are the systems that we see in this context. But a lot of plain Anabaptists have it too. So, you know, I just yep. tell people keep talking, be willing to do it. You know, it, you know, it could mean it could mean a lot to somebody else. You know, that that's where that's where the power is. And I'd like to add to that. Thank you. Thank you, Billy. That's really powerful. Um, but I'd like to add to that, that, you know, you never know who's listening. You never know who's watching. You never know who's actually seeing and observing what you're doing. And I've witnessed that repetitively over the last, like, 19, 20 years, is that 
sometimes I'm really shocked by who's listening and watching. Like Billy, for example, I was really shocked when I, um, when Billy reached out to me and started, we started talking about some of the systems of oppression. Um, because, I mean, I hoped, I hoped that these recordings would get to people within the communities. I hoped that they would help people that were struggling. And especially when people are struggling spiritually, like I want all of you to know that, you know, at the end of the day, whether you're you're gay, straight, bi, queer, whatever it is, whether you're disabled or not, you're you're differently abled, you're neurodivergent, you're whatever it is, at the end of the day, you're still a human being and you're worthy of human rights. You deserve basic human rights and you are worthy. And I'm here to tell you you're worthy. With that being said, I'd like to thank our Patreon subscribers for helping us put out this season of plain rainbows and i'd like to thank billy for being a guest today and for speaking openly and from the heart i can't wait for this to get out to people and i really hope it bridges and garners conversations that further facilitate change for these anabaptist churches and for other systems of patriarchal oppression that are at play in america today have a good day